God's word to us is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Thank you, Stephanie. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. I was reading uh, about a baseball story a little while ago, and the story is about a game that was tied up. It was the bottom of the ninth inning. And the batter came up to the plate, and he took his baseball bat, and on the plate, he made the sign of a cross. The catcher behind the plate was Yogi Berra, famous New York Yankee, Hall of Famer. Yogi Berra took his glove, his catcher's glove, and he wiped off the plate. He was a Catholic as well. And he wiped off the plate and he said to the batter, he said, hey, why don't we just let God watch this game? (laughs) It's a cute story, but is that what we do? Do we just say, of our lives, why don't we just let God watch this one? Why don't we just let God watch our pilgrimage? Is that what we're doing in our spiritual journey? Or are we seeking first the kingdom of God, including Him in all of our daily affairs, inviting Him to be with us, longing for Him to join us in the pilgrimage, Unless the Lord is at the center of all of life, every effort, every striving is in vain. And the idea of vanity in this passage is that our efforts, our striving, without the Lord being in the middle, are worthless. Of no value, they're futile. And they especially have no value spiritually. For us, unless the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will minister to us and, Father, that you will uh, help us to draw near to you, to see our need for you. Father, to invite you to recognize that you are present to recognize your hand upon our lives. And so, Father, help us this morning. We long that you would be glorified, and we long to draw near to you. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. These are beautiful songs, these psalms of ascent that we have been going through. Three times a year, the pilgrims would go And they would head in the springtime during Passover. And they they would head up in the summertime during Pentecost. And and close to fall, they would head up again. 
and doing the Feast of Tabernacles. And they would go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was not only geographically up, but the idea was that we are heading up, we are going up spiritually. We are longing to to draw near to God. And as they went through that pilgrimage, they would sing these songs that we've been going through, these psalms of ascent. Rejoicing in God and recognizing God and thanking God and, and asking God for forgiveness. They would teach their children to depend on the Lord as they traveled in their massive family groups. That's why Jesus got lost, remember? Because they'd all travel together. But they were learning to depend on the Lord together. And they were singing together, trusting Him. Being thankful for the many blessings of our Lord. Are you a thankful person? Right in the middle of all the stuff that's going on in your life right now. And I know there's a lot of craziness for a lot of you. But still learning to sing in this pilgrimage up to God and being thankful that God has his hand upon you. That he's not away from you. He's not absent. Are we learning to become thankful people in this pilgrimage? Life without God. All of our pursuits without him, Psalm 127 is teaching us, is in vain. It's futile. It's worthless. There's three areas that I wanted to dive in with you this morning as we, as we think about unless the Lord. And hopefully as we look at this passage that it will help us move from a place of stress, which life seems to bring upon us real quickly, and we, we seem to absorb it, moving us from stress into rest. Rest in Him. And so the three areas I want to look at with you is, is unless the Lord builds and watches over us. The second area is unless the Lord gives us rest, there is no real rest. And the third area is unless the Lord builds and watches over our children, then all of our strivings and our efforts are in vain. They're futile. We keep beating ourselves to death trying to achieve something. Unless the Lord builds, our labor is in vain. We see in the Bible in in chapter 4 of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar, a great king, he stands on his rooftop of his palace and he says this, Is this not the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty, King Nebuchadnezzar says. Immediately after that, he's struck with craziness, and he ends up living the next several years like an animal in the forest. What does it look like to labor in vain? I think there's several ways. One of the ways that we can labor in vain is we just don't include God in the middle of it. Or we actually go opposed to what God is speaking to us. The Lord wants us to move a certain direction or doesn't want us to move a certain direction, and we decide... Well, we're just going to do it anyway. We're going to build. We're going to live. We're going to do what we want to do. But unless the Lord has his blessing upon it, Psalm 127 says it's in vain. You guys remember that story in, in the book of Genesis? This little tower called Babel? That's the idea he's giving us. You see, you're striving to make a name for yourself. 
you're striving to, to be recognized and all your efforts that people would notice me. People would recognize who I am. They would see all of my efforts and that, like King Nebuchadnezzar, oh, that all the glory would come upon me. Look at all that, that I have done and I have built. Where's the Lord in the middle of that? And so sometimes we can labor in vain because we go contrary to God or we just don't include God at all. And it becomes futile. The other area that we can labor in vain is that we, we're building, but we're not building on a, fa- a firm foundation. And so the idea is that as we build, and maybe the Lord will let us achieve some things, but if it's not on a firm foundation, then it crumbles. Let me show you a picture of Bill, you'll like this, UW University, 1987. Boy, they were going to build an incredible stadium for the Huskies. Go Huskies. It was going to be their great pride and joy. And so they got going on this thing. And many months into the project, the multi, multi, multi multi-million dollar project, the stadium totally collapsed. This is the image that the psalmist is giving us. If you're trying to build for yourself, if you're trying to make a name for you, if you're trying to have all your achievements so that you are recognized and you're leaving God out and you're building on a foundation that is sand, really, then it crumbles. It's all in vain. Instead of inviting the Lord in and building a foundation on God's word and his truth and and learning to be obedient to what he has for us, all of our striving crumbles. And so the pilgrims, as they're ascending up to Jerusalem, are trying to remember all of God's goodness and his blessings. We don't want to live this way. We don't want to do all these strivings and these efforts in vain. We want you to be in the middle of it, Lord. We want you to be glorified. We want to draw near to you as we ascend to Jerusalem. One of the ways that we can labor in vain is that we strive and toil and we just think we can live our own lives and then all of a sudden we die. We make all these efforts thinking that we're in control of our life and all of a sudden our life is taken from us. When Kina's dad, Tom, got a triple bypass many years ago, there was another family in the room with us, in the waiting room, and the husband of that family was also getting a bypass surgery. And so as we were sharing just life and praying for each other and all this, we were learning the story that they had just retired. They had saved up and saved up and saved up, and they bought this big motor home, and they were going to travel across the United States. And, and all of it was set, all their money invested in this future of retirement. And at first the surgery went okay, and then a half an hour later he died. When we think that our life is our own, and we think we have control of our life, and all of our strivings are for our purposes for the future. There is that image of it may be taken from you. We see in the New Testament, right, the one who stored all his grain in the barns, thinking that he had it all, and he died. Ecclesiastes, which is Ecclesiastes two, which is very familiar, uh, similar to this psalm, brings it out. And Solomon in Ecclesiastes says this: Listen, a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, skill. They do all of this, and then they got to leave it to someone else who hasn't toiled for it at all. He's all, you got to be kidding. It's all in vain. It's meaningless. 
What do we get for all of our toil and our anxious striving with which we labor under the sun? All the days of our work is grief and pain. Even at night, our minds do not rest. And this too is meaningless. Sounds very similar to this psalm, doesn't it? A person can do nothing better than eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without Him, who can eat or find any joy in life? To the person who pleases God, God gives wisdom, He gives knowledge, He gives happiness. But to those who sin against Him, He gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth only to hand it over to the one who pleases God. All in vain when we think that our life is our own and we can do as we want, as though God hasn't numbered our days. What are we building? What are we striving towards? And are we inviting God to be right at the center of all that? Or are you just trying to make a name for yourself? And I think if you're honest, you'll find yourself toiling, hard labor for this bread And you're going to find yourself not sleeping at night very much. All in vain. God is not glorified. He's not brought into the middle of it. We can labor in vain when our house becomes a house of tragedy. We're we're doing all these strivings, but we're missing all of our family. And so you have a broken marriage, and you you have rebellious children, and you have all these meaningless knickknacks on marble shelves and, and an empty home because you're pursuing the wrong things. Instead of inviting God into the home, It's all about, again, you. Are we laboring in vain, building a monument of futility? Or are we seeking first the kingdom of God and saying unto God, God, I'm not just going to have you watch this baseball game. I need you right in the middle of it because I do not know how to swing this bat. And if I swing this bat well, I want all glory to go to you. There's a contrary life A contrary life that finds fulfillment only from the Lord. Recognizing Him as the middle and the joy of it all. Let me play this piece of music for you. prize. Thank you. Johnny, what does she win? Not only is that music beautiful, but Bach signed all of his masterpieces. Soli Deo Gloria. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. That's living a life that is full of life. It's not living a life that is vanity. All of his music, not only beautiful, but glorified God. Every time you listen to a piece of his work, his purpose was to glorify God. 
Does your life and all of your building and all of your striving, does it reflect and glorify God? The psalmist wants us to sing unto him and wants our lives to be drawn back. Our lives belong to him. May we glorify him. A complete acknowledgement of God in the middle. You see, unless the Lord, it's all in vain. We need his blessing. We need his presence. We're so prone to all of our efforts and and we relegate God to secondary in in his role. It's like get him another hot dog as he watches the game. Building a house, watching over a city. Those are worthy endeavors, are they not? They really are. And the Lord wants us to be part of that with him. But when we're building a house and we're, we're trying to preserve all of our finances and trying to preserve everything, all of our stuff, we go from, from what is wisdom and, and being smart financially or preserving stuff, we go from wisdom to fear, start living lives of fear, like we've got to make sure we protect all of our stuff and our city. We buy more locks and more passcodes and more security things. LifeLock is number one, you know, out there. Again, there's wisdom, and then there's, there's living in fear all the time. And thinking that, for some reason, God's not watching over our lives. LifeLock is, praise God. Unless the Lord builds and watches over, it's all vain. So, there's the opposite of this we can take to the extreme. Well, if the Lord is the one who's building, if the Lord's the one who's watching, can we just say, well, cool. I'll just kick back now. There was a license plate that was popular. It it said, uh, God is my co-pilot. You guys ever see that one out on the road? Maybe you had it. There it is. And we can get in that mode, like God is my co-pilot. And so therefore, as we're flying together, I can just ease back and, and trust him. For everything. But you see that picture of the pilot? Jesus is my co-pilot? That crashes you right into the mountain. You see, we can get to this place. Hey, God is watching over me. God has my life. Therefore, I really do nothing. But that's not what he's saying at all. Building and watching are worthy endeavors. God invites you to be part of that. Do you still go to work and get a paycheck? Yeah, you do. Do you still go to school and study hard? Yeah, you do. But in all those things, you say, Lord, be present. And Lord, would you be glorified? And Lord, help. I don't know how to do all this. And Lord, walk with me. And then everything about it is of the Lord in the middle. It's not a life that goes to the extreme of just like, well, I'm sure the Lord's just going to put some cash at my doorstep tomorrow. I know I haven't gone out and looked for a job for months, but it should show up. Well, thank God for the government we have. It seems to uh, show up. But no, he wants us involved in his kingdom work. He wants us to be part of that. But to recognize, unless the Lord builds and watches, it's all in vain. And by the way, God is my co-pilot is backwards. It should be, I am with God. I'm his co-pilot. He's leading it all of life. I'm doing the journey with him. Trusting him for where he's taking me. But I get to be with him. And so he invites you to build with him and to watch with him, to be part of that. 
Unless the Lord builds and watches, it's all in vain. The second area, unless the Lord gives rest, there is no real rest. They did a study all across the nation, hundreds of thousands of people, asking questions about their resting habits, and they found this. It was really astonishing. It said this after the study, the amount of sleep required by the average person, this was astounding, the amount of sleep required by the average person is this, one hour more. That's the amount required. One hour more. I know you're saying that this morning. Oh, just one hour. I hate that alarm clock. You know, vanity is often found in restlessness, isn't it? We turn from doing what's really worthwhile and we enter a race that has no finish line. We discover too late that all this effort that we're striving after, it's never enough. We fall victim to destination sickness. It's the idea we finally reached all of our goals. We got all the stuff we were going after. We got the house. We got everything that we went after. And we get there. We've arrived And you find that you're empty, and you're lonely, and you're hurting. It's a destination sickness. Because you've striven striven after all that in vain. The vain life described in 127, the Psalm 127, Jesus speaks about, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? There's no rest unless the Lord gives us rest. The only way we can move from stress unto rest is by placing our trust in Him. That He's in the middle of it all. You know, Americans, they they did a... uh, This was a real survey, actually. They they studied all across the world uh, who was the most sleep-deprived nations all across the world. America, France, Taiwan. Three most deprived nations in the world. You know what was the most uh, deprived city in the whole world? New York City. New York City. It's called the city of no sleep, right? City up all night. But Americans are restless people. And, and they're up all night. There is an alternative to the rat race. Rising up early, staying up late, anxiously toiling for food that gives you no nourishment. There is an alternative And that is that we're learning to put our faith and our hope and our rest, our trust in the Lord of the Sabbath. He is our peace. You remember Jesus in Matthew 6? He says to all those following him, he says, listen, look at the birds of the sky and and look at the lilies of the field. He says, aren't they beautiful? Aren't they amazing? Now look, all those, those flowers, I give incredible splendor to the color. I robe them in, in beautiful color. Look at the birds of the sky. I feed them. They're taken care of. And then he says this statement to his beloved children, to those who are wanting to know more. And it's something you can never miss in Matthew 6. Don't you know, dear children, don't you know? It's like, wake up. Don't you realize that you are so much more valuable than they. Don't you recognize that? Why do you worry about tomorrow? Don't you know that I love you? You can have rest in me. I provide for you. And don't you know that I love you so much more than they? I hope you know that this morning. 
Because you may be going through a place where you're like, wow, it's just tight and things are upside down. And the Lord's reminding you, don't be anxious. Right, Philippians 4 says that. Don't be anxious. Make all your requests known to God. And do that with, with a thankfulness, with a thankful heart. And these that are made to God, here's the promise of God. As we, as we surrender our lives unto Him, as we're anxious, He's saying, stop being anxious. Surrender these unto the Lord. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, what's it going to do? It's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see, that's where we go, ah, rest. We are striving, we are laboring, we are staying up at night, and we're getting no sleep, and it's crazy. And the Lord is saying, as we pilgrimage to Jerusalem, let us sing unto the Lord and say, God, you're the God of rest. And let us be thankful that he is, because he is. He doesn't give us a promise that he's going to guard our hearts and minds and give us shalom. He doesn't make up promises. God does not lie. So take your anxious heart unto the Lord. The psalmist keeps singing. He's giving us rest. Don't be involved in the anxious toil for a bread that does not satisfy. The scriptures say he gives you... It's an interesting verse. He gives you... Here's two things it says. The Lord God gives his beloved rest. Okay? The Lord God gives his beloved, his children, rest. That's a good, that's a proper translation uh, and good. The other proper translation is this. The Lord God gives to his beloved in their rest. So it's a difference. One is the Lord God gives you sleep. The other is the Lord God gives to his beloved in their rest. I think that's more suitable to the context. Because the context is saying, unless the Lord. Unless the Lord's in the middle of all of this. So, unless the Lord is right in the middle, why you sleep doing his work, there is no real rest. My wife, Kina, lost her job last week. Kind of throws you a curveball in the middle of life. I know many of you have had that happen. And it was a, it was a uh, kind of a corporate merger and uh, two big uh, wireless companies, cell phone companies. And so they decided, and this happens, you know, in the middle of the takeover that, you know what, we're not going to have need of your services uh, for that. You know what, that, that kind of throws you upside down a little bit. You, you have, uh, you all know this, you know, you have a budget that you live by and you have bills to pay. And next thing you know, you don't have a job. And, and she contributed uh, to our overall budget significantly. And so there's a couple places you can go with that. You can go, oh, my goodness, you know, how are we going to feed the kids? And you got, we got school things to pay and all this stuff. But it was really neat, and the Lord kind of blessed us with this. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the bed, and I'm reading what, this passage this morning. And it was, it was right there at that verse. The Lord God gives to his beloved in their sleep. So rest. And it just allowed us to be ministered to by God's word. That you know what? The Lord knows our needs. He knows, he knows, you know, a big part of it was just she loved working with this company. So he knows, you know, you found joy in that. So let's just trust him for another job that brings you joy and is good and provides. But we honestly, that night, were just able to 
to rest. Because we were getting a little panicky, you know, and right away it was like, well, I better get on the internet and look for a next job. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just see what the Lord's going to do. And it's been fun to just watch him uh, work in our lives and, and people giving us phone calls and saying, hey, I heard about this opportunity. You see, you're beautiful children of God. The wonderful thing about sleep is that there's nothing we can do, right? Do, isn't it funny that the Lord gave us a third of our lives are sleep? Or it should be, you know? I know for some of you. A third of our lives are sleep. Why? You, you can't do anything in your sleep. Because God gets to do all the stuff. In, in our weakness, He is strong. Our God is awake all the time. Our God is always watching over His children. Our God is at work while you sleep. Unless the Lord gives us rest, we will never rest. And so we pilgrim, pilgrimage to Jerusalem and we sing this song unto the Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are the Lord of rest. Unless the Lord watches and builds, it is vain. Unless the Lord gives us rest, there is no rest at all. And the last area is, unless the Lord builds and watches over our children, we strive in vain. Scriptures are very clear. Children are a gift from God. And for those of you who have children, you know that. They need to know that, that they are a gift from God, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, children are not this, all of a sudden I have this burden on me. And trust me, and maybe some of you went through this, you felt that from your families. I'm just a burden. I'm in the way of my selfish parents' strivings to get their accomplishments done. God says, oh, no, 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 no. Children are an absolute blessing and inheritance. They're a joy. And so communicate such a thing. Communicate verbally how beautiful and wonderful they are. Communicate the purposes of God for their life, that the Lord has so much for you other than playing video games. Trust me, there's a whole world out there. And God has purpose for you. Communicate to them that you love them and their value by spending time with them. You guys, let's not get caught up in this, this race where we all just say, oh, we're just all so busy. Spend time with your children because they're a gift. They're a valuable gift. And Psalm 127, they are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. What's true of arrows? Arrows need to be shaped and sharpened, taken time. In, in Solomon's time, you didn't just go out and pick up a stick, you know, go down to the store and, and buy an arrow. No, you're going to take a ton of time preparing it and mastering it. And that's what he's saying. They're, they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. A warrior made sure he had a sharp arrow. Made sure that he spent time with the shaft and, and with the, the steel head. And it was perfect. Train up a child in the way he should go. Be ones that are training up your children in the word of God. Drawing them close to God. Singing these songs together as we pilgrimage to Israel. And he moves us in. But here's the other thing. Arrows are not meant to stay in the quiver, are they? Arrows are meant to be released. Sent out in all of the training of the Word of God to be used of God in this world. And they're sent out with intentionality and thinking about, God, where would you have this child go? And we trust you. We're going to release this arrow. 
This is the hardest thing for us as parents, isn't it? We live in a scary world. There's all kinds of evil and yuck, and, and it's scary for us sometimes to release that arrow. I had my kids go to, uh, to youth camp, uh, junior high camp, just a couple weeks ago with Jim Brown. I'm like, Jim, tell me about the camp. And Jim's like, oh, it's going to be a great camp. We're going to have lots of fun, and, and we'll keep watch over your kids and stuff. And, and I'm like, yeah, so it's going to be safe. And so, yeah, we're going to be safe. And, and uh, so I get a picture on the Internet. Here's safe. At the very front of that boat, the kid leaning out the furthest, that's my son Alex, going right into the rapid. It's kind of a funny picture. If you notice, there's like 15 kids on the very front of that boat going into that rapid. And I'm like, that, that itself is a nightmare. They had a great time. They, they grew in courage, and, and they had a sweet time. Felt, but, you know, we live in this, this world where, as parents, we're just, we're just always like, oh, my gosh, you know, God apparently doesn't love my kids anymore. And so they're going to go into fear and, and going to get hurt. We live that way when we're constantly watching out for their safety. Again, there's wisdom and there's fear. All right? Wisdom and fear. This is why we've developed a whole community, a whole society of what we call helicopter parents. Helicopter parents who hover over everything their children do and they come into the classroom and they make sure the teacher is doing everything right for their children. I'm just telling you, dear saints, as followers of Christ who reflect Christ, land that plane, all right? Stop hovering. Stop hovering. We're not going, oh, I trust the Lord for my children. We're going, I need to make sure everything is right and safe for my children. Quite honestly, it's it's sinful. We're living in fear. Again, be wise, but trust in the Lord who loves your kid more than you ever could. And did you think for one second that God left your kid? Like he's not watching over Alex over the rapids? Turn it over to the Lord and let him move in the Lord. And it goes on to say, these children are going to be a wonderful blessing for you. Fill your quiver full of them. I used to always say that to my wife when we were young, married. I'm like, hey, honey, we need to fill this quiver with kids. Didn't work as well as I wanted it. (laughs) You're filling that quiver real quick. You got the double, double arrows over here. But then they will stand for you. These, These beautiful children will stand for you in the gate. The gate was that place where, that place where they came and they had lawsuits and they had accusations. There's all kinds of city business that happened at the gate. And what he's saying is, your children are a gift from God, and as he blesses you and as you fill your quiver, here's what happens. When you go to that gate, when you go to that gate and you are accused, those children of yours, they are going to stand for you. They are going to protect your reputation. They're going to stand by your side. It's It's an image I have of, of the old show Bonanza, and you had Hoss, who was a big old man like Greg Alexander. Hoss, hey, if Pa was ever in trouble, Hoss would step in there. You don't mess with my Pa. I'll tell you about the kind of man Pa is, and he has a good reputation, unless the Lord watches and builds. Children are a gift from God, they're a blessing. And I want to say this to you. 
you know, sometimes we get to a place where we go, well, wait a sec, if I'm not able to have children or I don't have children, is that, am I not blessed? I don't think that's what the psalm is getting at. I think the psalm is saying, you need to recognize, like everything about life, you need to recognize very clearly that children come from God. It's not because you're so fertile or you have a stud of a husband and you're able to produce children. It's because God is the creator. And so as we sing our pilgrimage song, as we go up to Jerusalem, we recognize God is the creator and the giver of life. And so we praise God for that. Unless the Lord gives us these children, it's nothing to do with us. It's all God. And so I pray for us that we move from this life of stress unto rest, recognizing unless the Lord. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. Move into our hearts, Lord Jesus, and give us real rest in you. Father, we want you at the center of everything. In your beautiful and precious name we pray. Amen.